ready, Jerry? I'm ready. Just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. Oh, you didn't know? Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. You put my shoes on, you wouldn't last a mile. Summertime, when it's time, when it grind. Yeah, I got the ring, I'm the champ, I'm the genie of the lamp. This is the gift I was given, so I just live by my Okay, let's go smoke that joint. What up, what up? Fantasy Football Hustler back at you. And oh yeah, we got another Hustler interview. This one is an extra special one. Shout out to the 420 crew, everyone who's been uh, hanging out in the chat, you know, getting it real lit here. Everyone already knows who this is. I'm super excited. We're about to roll up. If you're not rolled up, you know, get it going right now and prep. But uh, we got the man, the myth, the legend. We got Ricky Williams in the building. It is really wild. 10,000 rushing yards in the NFL. We're talking about an NFL legend here. We're talking about a Texas Longhorns legend here. We're talking about a San Diego legend here. Now, an astrologer, a businessman, he's out here hustling. He's doing this thing. We're super excited to have him on the show. Let's show some extra love for Ricky Williams. What up? What up? We made it. Better late than never. And uh, according to a wizard who was on our show last night, a wizard is never early or late. He's always right. He shows up right when he's supposed to. Oh, my God. I love that. That's my motto. (laughs) Really? That's what I tell people. There we go. They say, are you going to be on time? I said, whose time? (laughs) Whose time? (laughs) (laughs) There we go. And uh, so what are you smoking on over there? We got a big 420 crew in here. Uh, I'm sure everyone's curious what you're smoking on over there. We call it the pregame. Heisman pregame. And it'll be out, we'll be out in stores in California next week, so you'll be able to check it out. Um, it's, we got a surprise, our, our, uh, our cultivar, our strain names. Um, we, we have fun with them. So this is the pregame. And you'll see the stray name on the package. Nice. And uh, pregame. So is that more like, uh, is that more of a uh, uh, sativa, more of a hybrid with sativa heavier? What do you think? You got it. You got it. So, you know, instead of instead of the traditional naming conventions of a sativa, which really is a sativa-leaning strain or a hybrid or an indica, um, we have pregame, halftime, and postgame. Because if you think about it, you know, the sativa is when you, you're trying to get up for something, right? Like pregame, trying to get up for something, okay? Yeah. And the hybrid is when you're trying to keep it like halftime, right? Okay, you got to – how do we do the first half? How are we going – what's the plan for the second half, okay? And then after the game, okay, you got to chill and recover, okay? And that's post-game. Nice. 
and we were talking pre-show for a little bit, you know, about uh, just really combining like sports and cannabis, you know, making it more one in the same. I just, I just want to hear your thoughts about this. You were, you were way ahead of your time, you know, when it came to that. I mean, so much that you were getting in trouble, you know, for it. Now it's not looked on as bad, but what do you, what do you think about the evolution on where sports and cannabis is kind of going now and in the future? Yeah, well, I'm curious. Like, what what's your experience been? Did, did you play high school sports, or what? What was? Did you play any sports in high school? I did. I played. Uh, I played high school baseball uh, when I was a junior. We were the number two uh, team in the nation. I went to Mission Bay High School, and uh, in 2004, we actually had the number one player uh, drafted in the MLB on our team, Matt Bush. So our team was pretty. Uh, our, our team was pretty solid, and uh, everybody pretty much smoked weed. Yeah. So there was a um, at San Diego for you. There was yeah. a there was a I think it was like a spring break tournament, JV tournament at Mission Bay every year when I was in school. And I remember Patrick Henry played in that tournament, and it was on that like that gravel field at Mission Bay where you hit a home run and it goes into the tennis court. You know? <laughs> yep, yep. Everybody big league did if you hit it over that because it was kind of a short porch. Yeah, exactly. So I, I definitely was with one of those. <laughs> I definitely was one of those uh, bringing back the memories. And so, yeah. And so when I was growing up, you know, it, it was, we had maybe one or two guys on the team that smoked, but the coach was always giving that person a hard time. You know, it's like if one of the stars, the coach was mad at one of the stars, he would just yell at the, <laughs> he would yell at the kid on the team that smoked. Like he was the scapegoat. And so, and then to an extreme was my situation in the NFL where in the NFL still now, but, but especially back in 2004, if, if they tested you for cannabis and they found the metabolites in your urine, you know, they put you in a, in a drug program and they test you 10 times a month. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, that didn't work out for me. Um, but luckily I took a stand and things are changing. You know, the NBA just said they're not te randomly testing uh, basketball players anymore. The NFL this past year said they're not suspending players for cannabis anymore. So I think it's changing, but I think the real change comes when, and it's simple. It's simple when people just start being more honest, right? Because now I realize a lot of the coaches that were giving the players a hard time when they would go home to relax, they would smoke. And so, <laughs> and so it's like it's really instead of demonizing it, it's here. It's here to stay. Let's talk to our kids about how they can use it to help to help them do better in school, to help them do better in their sport, to help them do better in, in life. And I think you know my 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 bigger mission, uh, and this is what I found through through my travels is cannabis has given us the ability to put the medicine back in medicine. You know, most indigenous cultures, Native Americans specifically, when they talk about medicine, you know, they're talking about something that, that induces an altered state so that you can get perspective on whatever's going on in your life and look at it in a different way. And they acknowledge that's what true healing is about. And I think this old model of healing is just mask the pain, mask the pain, mask the pain so that you can deal with it and go back to work. And I think that cannabis is giving us a way to talk about life and talk about healing in a way where we can start to embrace these more holistic principles. Yeah. And I know you're someone who has always talked about, you know, personal growth and things like that. And I mean, that's just something as, as a person I'm more interested in now, I guess, being in my thirties, you know, than I was in my twenties, definitely in my teens. But what would you say some of the biggest like strides for you were like, as far as like just growing as a person? Yeah, here's the reality, at least the way I see it, okay? Like, like, I'm not even saying that personal growth is something that's for everyone or something that people need because personal growth is not easy. It's not easy. 
It's not comfortable. Pisses a lot of people off. It's rewarding because you're happier, but it's not easy. And for me, it wasn't a matter of I just wanted personal growth. It's like I just had a really fucked up childhood. And if you realize if you <laughs> if you have a rough childhood in order to be happy, you got to do some personal growth. You know, you, like you, you got to do that work. And so um, and I mean, I'm, I'm literally I'm, I'm kind of saying that in a joking way, but but I wouldn't change it for anything because I have been able to grow because of the adversity. And if you look at the, the way life seems to work is the only way that we grow is through adversity. Right. Even if you want to if you want to go, if you want to build muscles, which is literally the growth of muscles. Right. You got to lift weights. Right. There has to be some adversity that the muscles grow through before they know it's time to get to get bigger. And so if we want to grow in life, we got to lift weights. We got to deal with we got to deal with our stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, shout out. and that's the other thing. Cannabis can help because, you know, sometimes you look at your like you look at the situation and it just makes you really you look at a situation and it just makes you really sad and depressed. You know, like you can't seem to look at it any other way. And every time you look at it, you just get sad and depressed. And so you decide I'm just not going to look at it anymore, even though it's still there. What I found was some, when I spoke is those situations I didn't want to look at, somehow they would they would pop up in my mind, but I would look at them from a different perspective and I would see something different and it would help me figure it out. And uh, yeah, and I found that and I still find that very valuable. Definitely. And shout out to Antonio for throwing in a super chat a little bit earlier. He said, woo, woo, I'm ready for this Ricky Williams interview. Uh, one of my favorite running backs of all times, the man, the myth, the legend, Ricky Williams. Thank you. And then uh, shout out to Anthony, my man, MathQuest, throwing in a super chat. And he said, uh, thank you, Ricky, for coming on the show. Who inspired you as a young athlete? And do you think the life of an athlete is tough compared to other professionals? Ooh, ooh, yes. But it's one of those things like like the more, what do they say, the more, the more you get, the more talent you have or the more gifts you have, the more responsibility. So I say yes. It's 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 more stressful relatively speaking to be an athlete because it's mental stress it's emotional stress it's psychological stress and it's financial stress because your success uh in the in your sport is directly tied to to the, your ability to take care of your of yourself and your family um but also there's a lot of perks you know people are nicer to us people treat us better you know when you know when i for better or for worse right when i call people they pick up the phone <laughs> So, so, you know, but, but, you know, but seriously, though, I, I really am a fan of, of responsibility. And I think, again, it comes back to what I said about adversity. I think if you're in a situation that's more difficult, it's because you're being prepared for something. You're being prepared to take on more responsibility. And I, and I believe that athletes, anyone that's famous has a responsibility, but I think that only response, that only responsibility is to be themselves. Um, cause I think that's the best thing that we can model for people is giving them permission that don't be what other people want you to be, be yourself. Love it. Love it. Now I got a question for you. I'm from San Diego and I just want to hear just a memory just from your time in San Diego, whether it's sports related, whether it's related to cannabis, but just a memory that's stuck in your mind that, uh, just, yeah. Any, so when any I lost my, when I, any minute, when I lost my virginity, I'm just kidding. Um, right, because <laughs> oh my god, so um, a memory okay, this is a memory. And what did you go to like the San Diego City Schools? So, did you like do the fourth grade Old Town, fifth grade Balboa Park, sixth grade, sixth grade camp? Yes, I did. Yes, I like, did. I went to Grand Elementary. 
yeah so th those are the those are the memories you know just i don't know i i just love being a kid and, and growing up in san diego you know in in and I love those memories because you go to, so what it was is everyone in that, it was in San Diego city schools in the fourth grade had to spend a week where every day we didn't have to go to school, but we went to old town, which is the, the very first part of San Diego. And we learned about the history of San Diego. And then in the fifth grade, we do the same thing where we spend a week in Balboa park. And, and so that's, that's where the zoo is. And it's just, again, a lot of museums and it's, it's a cultural, cultural week. And then in the sixth grade, everyone spends a week, uh, up in the Palomar Mountains at a sleepaway camp, and it's called sixth grade camp. And it was cool because, especially sixth grade camp, because you know you're in sixth grade and puberty starting, and then in the sleepaway camp, and there's other <laughs> new girls from other schools. You know, I'm just kidding. But um, but just these <laughs> these community kind of opportunities where being a kid and, and getting to meet other people. Those, those are my fondest San Diego memories. I love it. I love it. What about a bond? We used to go to bonfires down at Mission Mission Bay, kind of in high school. That was what we did on the weekends, and the, those were fun. Yeah, and I went to Mission Bay, so yeah, pretty much every Friday there was a bonfire right there at the bay or uh, Kate Sessions. I mean, that was a place that we were always partying on Friday and Saturday, big time smoke sessions. That was for sure. Good old days. <laughs> What about uh what what about at Texas? A any stories that stand out to you? What um what was it Town Lake or Ladybird? What was that uh what's that place yeah, called? Yeah, Town Lake is called both. There you go. Ladybird yeah, Town Lake and Ladybird Lake. Um I didn't spend much time on the lake. I lived close to the lake. I had a I had a place when I was in school downtown. You know, so much of my time in Austin was just was around football. And so in 6th Street, you know, anyone's been to, been to Austin is where where other bars are in college and Austin's a big college town and so it was this this period of time the end of my senior season where I you know pretty much was a shoe-in for the Heisman Trophy and just being the, the man in Austin you know it's, it's a cool feeling you know and, and you know not everyone is Tom Brady and can be the man for multiple multiple years but you know those moments where, where you are on top and you get to experience it temporarily it's nice you know not a place that I'd, I'd necessarily want to want to live all the time but it was especially that first time when you're young and it's like you have that dream of i want to make it right and then you make it and you're like okay done what's what's next but it was so yeah just being in austin at that time being the being celebrated by everyone was was cool yeah definitely and uh i mean i'm sure you could go back there and you don't have to pay for anything right like i mean i know you got to be a legend you know to that place yeah I mean, if I go to the right places, you know, Austin has grown. Austin has grown so much that if I go to the places where the old school people are, yeah, I don't have to pay for much. But if I go to the new places, they kind of look at me like, what are you doing here? Who are you? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mitchell Chavez, thanks for the super chat. He said, uh, thanks for joining the show, Ricky. What moment in your profession as an athlete was the biggest to you as well as after athletics now so far? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. So depending on when in my career you ask me that question, there's going to be different answers. And it's tough to go back and look because I feel like at each at each level, there are these pivotal moments. And so I'll, I'll start at Pop Warner. OK, <laughs> I'll start at Pop Warner and I'll go through each level and see if I can come up with one pivotal moment. All right. So Pop Warner real quick. Uh, I played two years of Pop Warner, junior midget and midget, junior midget team. 
we were one and eight, and the only game we won is because the team forfeit didn't have enough players. Okay, so it was bad. It was really bad. The second year we won three games. Okay, a little bit better. But in San Diego and Pop Warner, if you don't make the playoffs, you go to play in what's called the toilet bowl. Okay, it's literally that's what it's called the toilet bowl. <laughs> But it's like the 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 losers bracket of the team. But it, you get one more football game. And I remember we played in the toilet bowl against. We had two games in the toilet bowl because it's a two week tournament. First week we played Santee and it was like I went off. Okay, I went off in the toilet bowl. And then the next week we played Kearney, and I had like six touchdowns and I blocked the extra point to help us win the break a tie. And so it was that moment where I realized I, I think I can I think I can do this. I think I can be special. Okay, because you need that those moments of confidence. Okay. And I fast forward to high school. It was that similar situation. My sophomore year, it was against Kearney. Huh. Reoccurring theme here. Kearney comments. Uh, <laughs> Kearney sucks. No, I'm just kidding. But but we were playing we were playing Kearney. It was my sophomore year. They had a really good team. They had a couple of guys on the team that actually played in the NFL. Sophomore fullback. I ran for like 12 carries for 140 something yards. And I and I knew okay I can I can do this. Okay, that was the moment. And then college. Similar theme. It was my freshman year. We were playing against the Aggies. We're playing against AM. And going into the game, AM had the number one rated defense in the country, the wrecking crew defense. And I was scared, literally. I, I was fullback, freshman. I was scared. I thought I was like, I was going to die. But I think it was the second quarter. We ran a draw play and they blitzed. And somehow I popped free and scored like a 22 yard touchdown run. And I realized, okay, I can play at this level. Ended up with 165 yards. We beat them. And after the game, they were the number two rated defense in the country. And so that, that was the moment that I proved it to myself. And then, in, in unfortunately, when I got to the NFL, it took me a while. You know, I, I didn't really have one of those major moments in New Orleans. I battled a lot of injuries. But when I got traded to the Dolphins, uh, we played the Jets. I think we played the Jets the second or third game of the season. And the big thing that had been really plaguing my career had been I hadn't really broken a long run as a Saint. And we were playing the Jets, and it was the end of the game, and I popped free for, I think, like a 50-yard touchdown run. And I just felt like that monkey get off my back, and I was like, yes. And then I ended up, you know, leading the NFL in rushing that year, and, and it was it was great. So those are my those are my major moments in each at each level. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. And, uh, yeah, just all right up there. I mean, you can th- those moments stick with you forever, that's for sure. Yeah, and again, the, the major moment, um, I think, off the field, it's cliche, but it's it's true. And I, and I have six kids, and I and if I'm being honest, I can't say it about the first five. They're great, but I just was in a different place. And I think I have a four month old now, and really, like his birth is at the level of where I am now, and and the ability to appreciate fatherhood. You know, it's it's really been it's really been a special several months for me. And I think I'd say that's probably been the my most special moment off of the field. That's awesome. That's awesome. Here's a good one from Axocution. Weirdest fan interaction. What? What was your weirdest fan interaction? Weirdest fan. I don't know. It's hard to say because I like the weird fans. You know, the boring fan interactions. I'm like, what's the like what's the point? So I'd say my favorite, my favorite fan interaction. Okay. And it's on me for having for just doing it. As I was I was in Philly, this was several years ago. I was in Philly for something for some kind of if it was giving a talk or something and i was staying sitting at my hotel because a lot of times i'll travel and i'll just be bored sitting in a hotel and i'll be thinking like where can i get some weed you know and so i was sitting in philly and i don't know anyone in philly so i was like where can i get some and so i was like twitter and so you know i know people that follow me on twitter i know they all smoke so i just put on twitter i'm in philly everyone wants to hang out 
you know, and these kids, these kids hit me up. They're probably in late, like early, mid twenties, right out of college. These kids hit me up and they're like, yo, you know, come by. And I was like, cool. So I hopped in an Uber, went to these random, <laughs> these random kids house. And, and, you know, we sat on that, like this, it was like kids right out of college, you know, the bachelor pad, that old, like big, nasty ass sofa, you know, we all, <laughs> we, <laughs> we all sat on the sofa and really in Philly, they really smoked Phillies. You know, I was like, wow. Right. So we, we, we smoked a couple of Phillies and watched and watched sports center. And one of the things I learned about Philly fans, okay, is they love their teams. You know, it was funny. Like at this at this year, whatever it was, the the Sixers were like last place, okay. And listening to these guys talk, right, the way they talk is just bad luck that they're. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I I mean I love those kinds of fans that just love their team and always see the best, right? Ah, so it was it was that was my favorite fan experience so far. That's awesome. And uh, shout out to Jarrett. He said, uh, hashtag uh, hoot at 504 nation. Yeah. So Jarrett, I know is a ride or die saints fan. He's always hanging around here. He's been around forever. Who that? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, uh, tell us a little bit about Heisman. Well, that's the thing, you know, it's, it's, it's what we've been talking about. It's about bringing, it's about a brand that's bringing sports and cannabis together. And, you know, we're starting off with merch. You know, make it easy to to rep, and it's it's Heisman. I really love our mark. You know, I, we spent a lot of time coming up with with the, the Heisman brand branding, and and I really love it. So first is merch, second is cannabis. So in California, soon after we're launching in Oregon, and then in December we'll be launching in Nevada. And the plan is to keep growing. You know, to reach all the legal states, and as more states become legal, to to give people access to 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 participate in this brand. But it's it's. So I look at what I've done, and as a pioneer, I've I've I learned it this way. Okay, I, I do a lot of sports memorabilia, and ever since I retired, I probably make like 50k a year doing sports memorabilia. And then a couple of years ago, somebody was like, "Can you write a Heisman inscription on there?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "Can you write H I G H S M A N?" So I was like, uh, "Sure," and I wrote it. I was like, "That's kind of cool." And so I started signing. I started signing things like that. And then I started going a step further and someone asked, will you write like smoke weed every day on there? And I was like, and I kind of chuckled and I was like, sure. And so I wrote it, I wrote it on. And then I just started getting phone calls from a bunch of autograph guys saying, Hey, can you come do a signing? Can you come do a signing? And they all wanted me to write these inscriptions. And so it's kind is this moment where people are paying me to write smoke weed every day, you know? And I'm realizing like, and it was, literally like tripled, tripled the amount of signings I was doing. And I was thinking there's no way that there are this many Ricky Williams fans all of a sudden when I haven't played football in eight years. And I realized is people are really want this ability to, to have some symbol of these two things that they love and allowing them to come together. And so I said, well, why not give people a, a way to do that? And so this is why I launched Heisman. And so, you know, it's a brand. And so again, starting off with merch and, and flower, we're, we're going to, we got big ideas of just in, of thinking of ways that, you know, we can combine these two things together, you know, like in, in a, one of my, my passion projects is Heisman houses. And these are consumption lounges where people can come and smoke and watch sports, right? Where that's, that's the vibe. So the brand oh, yeah. is about everything that we can do to, to find ways to bring these two things together and, and allow people to live that lifestyle, you know, and to be proud of that lifestyle more importantly. 
Definitely. And that's really what this show is all about. You know, just having fun. Everyone, a big smoke session, you know, while we talk about football in different ways and different sports. And yeah, I've actually gotten some of that merch uh, third hand, you know, from different places like the Ricky Williams 420, like uh, this past uh, year on 420, I did a giveaway and it was your, uh, it was a Miami Dolphins signed Ricky Williams helmet inscribed with 420. And I did the giveaway on 420. Everybody was super hyped about yeah, that. Yeah, so just, just real quick. I mean, so like some of them are like one of them that people like is Puff Puff Run. Okay, that's one. Yep. Um, split blunts, not carries. It's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> Hitting holes, smoking bowls. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. John Mack said that right there. Also smoking bowls and hitting holes. There we go. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. Every time I do a signing, I'll, you know, these guys, who knows if they smoke because they're like memorabilia guys, but they're like, trying to come up with all these like neat things like they'll have jerseys with cannabis leaves 420 on the it's it's cool to see what they're coming up with and i think and i think there's a market for it and so hopefully through heisman because we we make it safe for athletes to be able to do this so hopefully that more more people can benefit from this you know because so far athletes and cannabis they've only been punished for it right that's bullshit we're trying to change the script so they can actually start to uh, receive benefits and be celebrated for it. Oh yeah, definitely. And just like, I mean, there's all these, uh, alcohol companies out there who are making money off the NFL for advertising. Like, I mean, cannabis needs to be right up there with them. The money's going to be there. I mean, so that, that's the kind of level that we need to get to. And, uh, I just hope me being early on this, you know, is, uh, one of the ways that, uh, you know, I'll get recognized when. Uh, well, it's no hope. I mean, this, this is this is how it works in this space. It's really about authenticity. It's, you know, as people that people that, and even beyond authenticity, it's really about experience, right? Because you see how your friends that just start smoking, right? They need guidance. <laughs> they need help, and the you know those of us have been who've been ahead of our time. We have the experience, so then we can we can help them navigate this. Definitely. Let me see. I know David uh, left a question here. I want to get to it. David Hess said, uh, uh, what's Ricky's best advice for overcoming adversity? Oh, I answered this question earlier. This is, this is, I like this question. It's um, it, it's that right. Any any great movie, okay, any any hero's journey, any hero story, the whole point of the story and why the hero becomes the hero is become, is because they overcame adversity. And so in your mind, you have to like tell yourself stories that you get to be the hero in. <laughs> you know, most of the times we tell we tell stories to ourselves that we're always the goat, right? And not the positive <laughs> goat. You know, <laughs> you have to switch the goat you are. You gotta be the you gotta have stories in your mind where you're seeing the adversity as something that's that's training you, that's getting you ready, something that's only there for you to overcome. And your challenge becomes, okay, all of your gifts, all of like the movies, right? All of your gifts, all of your talents, all of your friends, okay? Imagine that the reason they're in your life is to help you overcome this adversity. And you'll start to see things differently. You know, I think the biggest obstacle we all face, the biggest adversity is our negative thinking, you know? And so positive thinking means, again, envisioning stories where you get to be the hero, envisioning yourself overcoming the adversity. And envisioning the adversity as serving a purpose, okay? don't ever do poor me okay that that never works when did you learn about that about like positive visualization and how thinking positive versus thinking negative you know 
determines well, from a lot. Experience, from experience, when I thought negatively, I was miserable. And then I one day I was like, hey, maybe I'll look at this differently. And I did, and everything changed. And I was like, wow, this shit works. So you just have to, you just have to do it. You just have to uh, give yourself permission to think about things differently. You know, I, I talk a lot about stories. And in a positive way, if we can tell ourselves empowering, inspiring stories about why we're doing what we're doing, then our life becomes more inspiring. But if we just keep telling the negative stories, and it's not our fault. It's the stories that we've, we've heard, right? We all grew up listening to our parents complain about something, you know? <laughs> and so it's like we have to get rid of those negative stories and let them go and start to allow ourselves to tell more positive stories. And I think this is, the, this is what I meant when I said the medicine of cannabis. It's because when you smoke, it like somehow it unwinds those old stories, right? And it clears your imagination so you can start to envision positive stories. Now, I remember when I used to play and there'd be a, I'd have a bad game and I, you know, we're thinking, am I slow? Do I suck? Is what they're saying in the media true? And then I'd smoke and I'd be like, no, right? It's a process. And I'd see myself making plays and then I get up the next day and I go to work and move in that direction. And that's, that was the key to my success. So the way that I learned is experience. You know, I, people look at athletes and they assume that, wow, you know, he's, he's got God-given ability. But every athlete that's successful, especially at the highest level, it's more than God-given ability. They figured out something and it's mental, right? You can't be successful at a high level if you don't have your mind right. And how big is meditation for you? Is that uh, still a daily routine? It is. It is. You know, I was talking to my wife about this and it, and it might be extreme, but if, you know, if I was, and I, I'll say this when, when I, to my kids and I do say this to my kids, I'll, I say, you know, like I'll give you money to, to, you know, to buy cannabis and I'll support you if you're meditating, if you're meditating. Right. Because, you know, the, the, the model in the West and, and, you know, this is what I, what I learned playing football is if something hurts, take something to mask it. Right. That, that's, that's the answer. Take something to mask it and cross your fingers and hope that it gets better. Take something to mask it and stop doing what's making it hurt. Okay. But if you're a football player, I, like, <laughs> you can't do that. Right. So you just take it and you mask it. And that's, that's kind of the model of how we, how we do Western medicine. But with cannabis is different. Cannabis, when you, the medicine is, is not mask it. It's look at it and see what it's there for. And then it, it can go away. So it's a, it's a different way. It's a different way of thinking. And when I started to apply that to, to the way I took care of my body and my mind as a football player, um, I was, it was better. I was physically healthier and I was emotionally healthier and, and mentally healthier. And I think that to me in life, it's like the, I feel like all of us when we're young and we watch TV, it's like the, we're told we're supposed to like take care of our family, men especially, supposed to take care of our family, right? We're supposed to have a good job and take care of our family. And like, that's the most important thing. Like that's the most, like that's all, that's our only value, right? Is to be a provider. Like we don't get to be human, right? It's, we're a machine. <laughs> we're a machine that has to take care of the family, right? And I, and I agree that yes, it's great. We have to take care of ourselves. But I think life is about being a human being, you know, that's doing these things where we're, we're not separating who we are on the inside with what we have to do on the outside that we can bring them together. That as a football player, I don't have to hide the fact that I use cannabis. Right. I don't have to hide parts of myself that don't fit in with what I'm supposed to be as a football player, that I can show up as all of me. And that's to me, that's the that's the cure to all mental health issues. OK, is that we are integrated in ourselves. We give ourselves permission to be ourselves.
Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Let's see. We got a couple other questions in here. Mike said, did it make you mad that uh, James was drafted before you? And uh, he said that was a nice dress with Didka, though. Oh, shit. Did it make me mad? Yeah, it pissed me off. Because, it, you know, and, and Edgerin's a great a great player. Just went to the Hall of Fame. So it's not taking anything anything away from, from him. He is a, a wonderful player. But you can ask any running back, any running back, okay? Would you rather play with Peyton Manning or Billy Joe Tolliver slash Holbert? <laughs> yes. Everyone will say the same thing and twice yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. And Axel Kushin, he said, uh, hardest decision you ever made, whether it was uh, cutting a person you've known forever off or deciding uh, a different team, ECT, UT Nation. Yeah, I'd say the most the most difficult decision I ever made was to to walk away from the NFL uh, in 2004. It was one of those moments where I was like, "All right, am I gonna am I gonna sit here and be subjected to having to serve a four game suspension when this is not really what I want to be doing?" You know, and so inside I was like, "Oh, this this is an easy decision," but on the outside I was thinking about, "Okay, what are the." What are the consequences? What are the consequences of this decision? And as I was thinking about that, I saw my whole life flash in front of me. And what I noticed was pretty much every major thing in my life was somehow attached to me being a football player. And I was about to let all of that literally go up in smoke, you know, and hard decision. But as soon as I made it, it was like the heavens opened and I felt this huge weight come off my shoulders where I got to where I felt free. It's I know it's, it might sound weird, but it was. And I think that's how it is, is the most, the most difficult decisions we have in life are the ones that offer us the most freedom. That's why they're so difficult. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, it was crazy. I mean, when, when that happened, I was, a, I just got out of high school at that point. So that was probably when I was immersed a little bit more in like football in the NFL. And so, yeah, that was, uh, I mean, it was crazy times on the outside looking in. I can only imagine what was going through your head you know, at the time, what did you, what, I mean, when you thought about the big negatives, what, what did you, what did it take for you to get over that hump of, I don't give a shit anymore? Well, because when I, it was it's funny, because when I looked underneath the negatives, I realized that they weren't, they didn't belong to me. So like, I remember I had the thought of maybe I should be doing something else. And the first thought was like, what about the fame and what about the money? And then I thought about it and I was like, actually, I don't really even care about those things that much. You know, it kind of shocked me. I was like, oh, you know, and then I thought about what about all the people? What, what are they going to say? And then I kind of chuckled to myself and I said, this will really fuck all of them up. And then I and then I wanted to do it even more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So, yeah. So so I did. And, and again, I was so intoxicated by the freedom. OK, and, and here's what I mean. It's, it's like. It's what Bob Marley says, you know, uh, about we can't, no one can eman emancipate us but ourselves, you know, and it's really about freeing our mind. And I realized that because I put myself and defined myself as a football player, there were certain rules that I put on myself of things that I could be or I couldn't be or I could say or I couldn't say. And then on top of that, all the rules that were put on to me by just being a football player and just to be free of those things. And when I thought about, okay, what do I want to do today? It was like wide open. And I was like, wow, 
this, I could do it. And I had enough money where I could be, I was like, I could do anything pretty much except for, you know, egregiously break the law. I could do anything I want right now, you know? And that, that feeling of freedom, oh, it was great. You know, and I started traveling. I said, I, I want to travel. And that's what I did. That's awesome. Preston's got a question here. Who are your five uh, top five running backs of all time? Top five. Okay, not in any order, but top five. Um, Jim Brown. And so I, I wish I would have done this earlier in my career, but I got the idea to go back. And if you go on YouTube, and any any young running back or anyone that knows a young running back, I, I suggest it. I suggest you do this. Okay. It's old film, but you gotta, you gotta watch it is there's, I think it's on YouTube. I think it's like 48 minutes or something of, of highlights of Jim Brown running the football. Like, Oh my God. It's dominating. It's, uh, but it, it's just, so when, when I, I got a chance to get to know Jim a little bit in Miami and, and I was struggling one year and we had a conversation and he said, you know, you just got to learn to trust yourself and hit the hole. And then I started watching his film and, and that's what he did. And so like, that's the main skill of a, of a good running back is trusted and hit it. And if you watch that film once a week for a month, it's going to be internalized. So I would say any young back has to watch that. Uh, definitely Barry Sanders. And, and when I was in college before every game, I would watch Barry Sanders college, his collegiate highlight film from Oklahoma state, his junior year. And he just was, fast he had great vision everyone knows he had the wiggle the spin move great balance he, he's he's amazing amazing um like on that list is Ladanian Tomlinson uh, I think he just was he's a, a tougher more physical back I think than people probably give him credit for but he, his vision I mean in San Diego they run that that power play and he, he could time that vision with that guard wrapping around I mean he he was a master of that play we, we played them one year, and I counted. They ran that same power play, different variations, but they ran that same play like 24 times. <laughs> one play 24 times. And, and then that that's mastery. When you know what's coming, you know what the team is running, and, and, and he still ran into the Hall of Fame. So <laughs> he, he's definitely on the list. Uh, uh, I, I also like, and this is from my the time that I grew up, is, is watching Eric Dickerson because he was really – after I think after Jim Brown, he was really the first big fast back, and he was like a gazelle, big back, physical, but he could fly, he could run. And in the same play, they used to run that power play, a counter play. He would hit that a gap and he'd be gone. Uh, and then to top off the list, he didn't play very long, at least not in the NFL, but Bo Jackson. And again, the combination of power and speed, and really Bo Jackson was intimidation. You know, is is nobody nobody wanted to touch. Nobody wanted to tackle Bo. And it wasn't like Jerome Bettis, like it was just hurt. But if you miss Bo, he was going 90. You know? <laughs> so, it's real. Yeah. How do you think uh, Derrick Henry compares to some of these guys uh, that are on your list right now? Well, definitely the year that the the year he's having this year and just how he's continuing to be to be dominant. I think if he if he stays on this track by far. But I think, you know, in this day and age, the biggest thing with big backs. Is is taking care is taking care of us. He's got to take care of his body in order to, to have that longevity. But as far as the impact that he's making on the game today, he's that he's that guy. And I think it's it's great for us running backs because it seems like the running back position is becoming you know less and less important. But whenever you know we need a reminder of why the running game is so important, we just put on a Tennessee Titans film. 
And I know a hot take right now is uh, Derrick Henry, you know, for MVP. And I know, I mean, it's usually, I mean, it's a quarterback, you know, award is what it seems like. But you think Derrick Henry, if he comes back with another 2,000-yard season, you think he's going to be in uh, in talks of it and should be considered at least amongst that? Well, definitely he should be considered. But the idea of the most valuable player often goes to the – to a team that goes far. And I think if Tennessee can find a way to ride, literally ride Derrick Henry deep into the playoffs, then that's the, that's the case. And I think it's, it's a more important case because at the end of the day, football is, is football and it's a physical game. At the end of the day, in order to, to stop a play, you have to get somebody on the ground. And at the end of the day, you got a big back that can move coming through the hole and you got to stop them, right? It's football. And if Tennessee can, can take that deep into the playoffs, he should be the MVP. <laughs> yeah they're good he's gonna have to put the whole team on his back right now that's for sure shout out to my man patrick who's actually in texas right now and he asked uh, what your favorite strain is and uh, let's take the highs uh highsmith or heisman out of it yeah yeah of course thank you thanks for that permission i don't have to talk shit about my own stuff <laughs> um so so when i think of, it's not really one i think of genetics right and you think of i mean this is gonna be funny the analogy is like women Okay, this is for guys, right? And and anyone who is attracted to women, okay? Is that it's not like there's yes, I, I eventually it's nice to settle down with one person. But I, when you're young and you're growing up, there's like you have a type, right? There's a type. I really like this type. Okay, I really and so for me with strains, I have a type that I really like. And I like hazes. Okay, so I like sativa dominant strains. Because what I love to do when I smoke is is reflect and I love to read and make connections between ideas. And I find when I when I consume more of an indica dominant strain, uh, you know, I, I more want to do yoga or or go to sleep. And so if I feel like I want to get back back in my body and do yoga or go to sleep, then I'll then I'll move more towards indica. But usually I want to get up and read something. You know, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think about is what am I gonna what am I gonna read this morning? You know. <laughs> yeah. And let's see here. Um... My man, Eric, he said, uh, how do you feel about the 30 for 30 that they did on you? This was a five-year project, uh, right? Yeah, it was a long time. It was a long time. You know, at the end of the day, I was glad that we finally got it out. But anytime you're you're hiring someone else to tell your story, it's impossible for someone to get your story 100% right. And I think we did a good job of hitting the main themes. I think that the whole idea of the project was for people to see that I'm more than just a football player, that there's that I wasn't a crazy person that just left for no reason, that there's, that there's a method to my madness, you know, and that there's a deeper story. And I wanted to convey that message and I think it accomplished that. So it was, it was in my mind, it was successful. And I think it was, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I gotta, I gotta run. I'm going to, um, I gotta drive to Riverside cause uh, I'm watching a, a, a high school guy, a high school kid today plays really good running back DB. Um, in Riverside. So I'm, I'm trying to beat traffic. So I'm excited to, to go watch some college. I mean, some high school football tonight. Appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you uh, taking the time. Everybody I know in the chat right now really appreciates it too. Yeah. We need to be in touch. I mean, maybe we can do something more regular. Um, yeah. Cause I, I love, I love what you're doing and I want to do everything we can to support it. Definitely. That'd be awesome. We'll definitely be in touch. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for your patience. And, and this was fun. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely do it again. Another smoke session for sure. So safe Thank travels. You. Really appreciate you. Thanks for everybody who uh, hang out with who is hanging out with us. Appreciate Cheers, everyone. Almost finished, almost finished the joint. 
Cheers. There we go. Peace out, everybody. You ready, Jerry? I'm ready. I just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. Oh, you didn't know? Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. You put my shoes on, you wouldn't last a mile. Okay, let's go smoke that joint.